Welcome, everyone, to episode 61 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal. I am Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I am here today with some uh, very exciting news. I am here with Agent Nicole. Now, I know a lot of you were worried that she was going to end up in jail after (laughs) Comic-Con. However, she is here with us today in studio... She has a brand new ankle bracelet. I thought that was very cool. It, it's been beeping incessantly. I don't know why. It's because I like try to grab Carl Urban, and they were like, "No, you can't grab Carl Urban." And I was like, "He was so handsome." So she is here. I am here. You can tell <laughs> this, that's that's not a holographic projection or anything like that. No. It's not an auditory hallucination. No, I'm. I'm. The dream is here. I am the dream. I'm here. And as you know, she is the Ironborn Lady of Comic-Cons. Uh, we are joined also by the Mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, my better half, and my partner in crime, Ashes von Nightmare. Luckily, I've never been to jail, so... Uh, I have not either. Nicole <laughs> knows enough for everyone. <laughs> we can't I've be- just never been caught. And we I are- tried not to get oh, caught, sorry. but I was like, no! Yeah, okay. The Carl Urban was too much to resist. No, he, yeah. We are also joined, as usual, by the producer extraordinaire, the conductor of the crazy train that is the Grand Guignol Network. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. Hello, everyone, and it's an uh, honor to be here, especially given uh, who the guest will be today. That's right. We have a special guest, and if you missed the show last week, you don't know about this, but our guest this week is the incredible actor writer and director he is the star of samurai avenger the blind wolf he is the writer and director of gun woman and karate kill ladies and gentlemen karando mitsutake hello thank you very much for having me on your podcast oh thank you very much for joining us I was uh, I was looking forward to it. We had uh, uh, back and forth for uh, several weeks, and finally the day is here, so I'm very excited. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this all day. Like, work couldn't end fast enough for us to get here. <laughs> this is true. Very cool. Very cool. So, Corando, we have... Uh, do you mind if I call you Corando? That's okay, right? Oh, no, 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 please. Okay. Uh, we do a little thing on our show called Getting Into Character, because our shows uh, are all about different characters from different films and books and TV shows. So what we like to do is when we have a guest on for the first time, we like to uh, get to know a little bit about that person. So we we come up with some interesting questions, or at least we hope they're interesting. (laughs) So you are a uh, a filmmaker. You're very talented at what you do. Uh, And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. I genuinely enjoy uh, everything I've seen of yours. Great. Thank you. Uh, So my question is, with a limitless budget... And access to a time machine. What kind of film would you make, and who would you cast in it? Oh wow! Uh, hmm. I, uh, you know, I, I think I said this before on the other podcast too. But uh, uh, my all-time favorite actor, uh, American actor, is George C. Scott. So I would, uh, I would love to uh, bring him back and uh, do a movie and. Um, I guess uh, if I had the limitless budget, I would love to do, um, you know, World War Two story. Okay, nice. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I could uh, I could definitely dig on a, a World War Two story, especially from your perspective. Right. It's uh, you know I guess 
I guess any uh, any filmmaker who you know uh, become giant like you know Christopher Nolan or something, um, I guess everybody wants to do World War Two movie, and maybe people are sick of it. But you know, it's like it, it, you know, I guess to our generation, it, it still was the you know biggest worldwide event we had. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agent Nicole, you have a question? Yes. My question is, what is your go-to midnight snack? Ah, that's a good question. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to limit my midnight <laughs> 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 snack lately. But, uh, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm addicted to uh, potato chips. Um, I, I love American potato chips and... Uh, you know those uh, really greasy kettle chips. Those, mm. those are my go to go to snack. Hey, yum! <laughs> yes. So, uh, Karana, you you were born and raised in Japan. Yes. Uh, so, would you ever want to do a kaiju film? You know, um, yes, of course. I I would love to do one, uh, especially um, you know, kind of Godzilla coming back to a more serious. Uh, uh, you know, film uh, with the Shin Gojira. I don't, I don't know if you've seen uh, yes. the list from Japan. Um, you know, it, it became a political satire, like the original. Um, you know how how government really can't handle a huge natural disaster like Godzilla. You know, and uh, especially Japan. You know, after experiencing that disastrous uh, tsunami. And the nuclear disaster back in uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the new newest Godzilla movie was very kind of a uh, interesting social commentary on that. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I I would love to do kaiju genre film uh, if I can do um, you know more serious approach like the uh, like the newest Godzilla movie from Japan. Okay. Yeah, and we did see that, and I, a hundred percent agree with you. It's uh, everything kept getting bogged down in committee, and like so, instead of doing anything, they just moved from committee to committee to committee, and never actually doing anything. Yeah, the movie was really more about the government bureaucracy, and uh, I think they uh, successfully uh, got their point across using, uh, you know, icon like Godzilla. Okay, Agent Nicole. Um. What has been your craziest fan experience? Cause not, not counting, you know, hanging out with, with uh, Mr. Wolfenstein and Mars going to see wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty crazy, but in, uh, in a very, you know, pleasant kind of way. Um, let's see. Uh, what was my crazy fan experience? Um, you know, oh, you know, it's not re- really me personally, but uh, uh, this is this is my star from Gun Woman Asami. Mm-hmm. Um, we were uh, we were at this fan convention in Germany uh, a few years back, and uh, there's this uh, diehard fan of Asami in Germany. Um, he's uh, he's this super tall, uh, you know, German gentleman. Um, I guess he works for a cookie factory or something, but he's a <laughs> Is a huge fan of Asami's, and uh, so this one time uh, he he comes to this you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday event all three days, and literally like he's just dropping so much money at our table, practically just buying everything we have, and wow. uh, yeah, and uh, then you know he came around and he said okay he had he had this really. 
kind of a funky sharpie with him, and uh, he asked Asami to write her name on his arm. So um, Asami, you know, do you want it small or big or whatever? And he, he, you know, he said whatever you like. So Asami thought it was a kind of an interesting joke, you know. So he, she wrote her name in Japanese, uh, China, you know, kanji characters. Asami super big on his forearm mm -hmm. and uh, then he went away and about an hour and a half later he came back and uh, he showed showed us that his for forearm again and it was kind of like red bumpy skin and it was actually tattooed on oh, the man. yeah he, he didn't let us know that that special sharpie he had was that I guess it was a tattoo tattoo sharpie, oh and um, you know whatever Asami wrote, tattoo artist actually inked it onto his arm. Wow! Uh, yeah, Asami freaked out. She was like, "Oh my god! If I knew it was going to be a tattoo, I would have wrote it a little bit smaller." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, literally, like her name filled his humongo forearm. And uh, it, it was actually very, like, you know, surprising that he actually tattooed that big. Now, yeah. did you get any cookies from him? Because you did say he worked at a cookie factory or something like that. Yes, yes. We got, we got loads of cookies from him. Nice. Well, I would expect yeah. nothing else. Well, you know, <laughs> it's funny, Corando, because we have a similar story uh, in in the room here. Uh, Ashes, why don't you why don't you let Carando know what you did? <laughs> so I, I guess I am one of those crazy fans. Um, okay. I'm a, a huge fan of the the sport hockey, um, uh, the Boston Bruins in particular. And there is one player who I've been quite fond of since his uh, NHL start. Actually, well, since he was drafted in the um, by the Bruins. But, wow. yeah, I had the opportunity to meet this player. His name is Patrice Bergeron. He is the assistant captain of the team. He's gone on to uh, – he's won a Stanley Cup, which is the big, you know, prize that they win, uh, number one team for hockey. And um, he's also played uh, Olympic hockey for Canada and has won two gold medals with them. So he's kind of a, he's kind of a big deal. And yep. – yeah, I, I met him at a meet and greet and had him sign my arm. And within the hour, I was having it tattooed on. Oh, I, you didn't <laughs> so say I, I have, yeah, I have his, I have his signature tattooed on, on my arm. I didn't have the opportunity. It was too late. Um, uh -huh. and he had already left the, the venue. I didn't have the opportunity to go back and show him what I had done. And I was a little, it was, it was very spontaneous. I, I did not intend to do that. <laughs> that was not my intention at all. I don't know what happened, but when I met him, I was just like, please sign my arm. And then before I knew it, I was on the phone with the nearest tattoo place <laughs> asking if they had any openings. So I'm sure I, 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 I Asami is an amazing actress, and I'm sure we're going to talk about her oh, yes. and her portrayal in both Gun Woman and Karate Kill in a little bit. But, I mean, I can, I, I can understand why somebody would be such a fan of hers, because she is so incredibly talented. 
Yes. No, she's she's a, she's a definitely a one of a kind force of nature kind of performer. And I I, uh, I would imagine that uh, this German gentleman is probably the same as uh, as Ashes here because there are more pictures of Patrice Bergeron in our house than there are of me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and she's not even married to him. <laughs> but that, not yet. But that does kind of lead me into uh, the final getting into character question for you. Uh, what did you get Asami for her birthday? Oh, uh, you know, I, I'm yet to get her anything. Uh, I'm 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 really bad friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's uh, on on a serious note. She's uh, she's kind of uh, on the rough train right now. She's uh, um, you know she's uh, um, she you know she's still kind of a struggling with her craft and everything. And a little bit, a uh, little bit, maybe she got insecure again. I don't know. Uh, you know, she's a very sensitive, uh, fragile person. And uh, I think she's taking a little bit of a hiatus from showbiz right now. And uh, I'm kind of, currently, I'm kind of uh, leaving her alone a little bit. Not not to bug her with my uh, emails or texts and stuff like that. So, um you know, when when she wants to talk to me, she'll she'll talk to me. That kind of thing. So um, I didn't want to bombard her with uh, birthday wish and birthday gift. So you know, I'm I'm coming. I'm going back to Japan uh, for a work uh, in a, a week or so. And uh, you know, I'll I'll give her a buzz. And uh, if she's available, I'll definitely uh, get her something special for her birthday. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, because I I was uh, we were watching. Uh Gun Woman on on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. A friend of ours was up from uh, Minnesota, and he had never seen it. So I was like, "All right, you have to see this movie." Because <laughs> I've I've seen it a few times already. Okay, cool. So I was like, cool. "Oh, you have to watch this." And it's like, "Oh, this will work because you know it's going to be podcast research anyways." So uh, he enjoyed it. He was like, "It's like, man, this is such a crazy movie." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome." I'm like, and "We're going to be talking to the director in a couple days," and I'm like, "So pumped about it." <laughs> nice. So that is going to conclude the uh, getting into character segment. So now we're going to delve into like the real hard hitting questions. All so, right. Uh, no, it's not anything too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I have to know, uh, because it was, it wasn't the first one I saw, but it was definitely uh, one of my favorite. I mean, I, I have a hard time ranking your films. Okay. Because like, there's definitely different parts of each that I like. So like, any one of them at any time could be like my favorite of the three. Sure. Um, when are we getting a sequel to Samurai Avenger? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first uh, question. Uh, well, let's see. Um, it was uh, it was a fun movie to make, and uh, I'm you know, of course, as a kind of a genre signature at the end of the movie. You know, we have the we have the sentence at the end of the end credit saying, "Blind Wolf will return." Uh, so you know, since I promised it, I have to bring him back. But uh, um, I, I already have a, a script for it. Um, it's kind of a interesting mixture of you know all the uh, Lone Wolf and Cub film and uh, uh, Escape from New York kind of a setup. Uh, but uh, um, I don't, you know, I uh, I'm not. It's not. It's not 
the sequel to Samurai Avenger is not the main movie that I'm trying to get the money for, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe in several years, you know, like I, you know, I'll uh, I'll really try to resurrect it with the bigger budget, with the bigger stars. Well, I mean, I don't know how you could top that handsome man who played the lead. Uh, <laughs> I, heard, I heard he quit acting. Really? Because he was really good in that. He probably just wanted too much money. <laughs> well, the, the, the uh, you know when I did Gal Woman, um, you know I was uh, I was really fortunate to be surrounded by such a committed actors like Asami uh, Narita Kairi, who played the uh, mastermind, and uh, uh, Noriaki Kamata, who played a son of Hamazaki. And, uh, you know, those actors are such a serious performers. I mean, they, they literally, like, put everything in line to act, you know. And uh, when I had the exper- experience working with actors like that, um, you know, I realized what I was doing was, like, you know, like a, a kid play, you know, child play. So I, I uh, my, 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 uh, the desire to perform kind of shriveled away a little bit, but uh, but yeah, I guess uh, if if you know if we were to resurrect Samurai Avenger, I guess I have to uh, play the lead again. Well, I can I can tell you this: like I really liked that character, and I really liked your portrayal. Thank you. Um, and you know, that's definitely a character we're going to be covering. We're going to do like an entire show just. On, on him. Okay. So, I mean, at some point, you know, you know, some point down the line. But so, yes. I really, really liked your portrayal. And especially that end credit scene, I was like, okay, this is awesome. I need to know what happens next. <laughs> nice. Um, Nicole, what do you got? Um, for, uh, so for you have multiple films. Where does the inspiration come for your stories when you write these films and direct these films? It's uh, it's case by case. Uh, for my uh, indie projects, um, you know, I guess it, it's it's um, you know I, I write story that I want to uh, explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Then uh, you know movies like Karate Kill. That was almost you know I was a hired gun on that movie. Uh, basically, the executive producer from Japan approached me saying. They've discovered this uh, young actor named Hayate, and he can really do karate and stuff. So they want to make a feature film, you know, with him. And uh, so, so basically, I had to come up with a story that would fit his persona, and um, you know, kind of tiptoeing a little bit of what I want to do next, and uh, you know, came up with that story. So. Um, yeah, I guess the inspiration or the uh, my desire to tell a particular story comes from all different uh, angles, and um, you know you have to assess the uh, occasion and uh, come up with the best story to serve that occasion. I, I think. So, speaking of Karate Kill, first of all, I loved it. Oh my! I cannot wait to watch it again. I loved it so much. Right, thank you. Um, the scene in the truck yeah. is absolutely brilliant. Where did you come up with that idea? That was uh, actually uh, a present, a gift. 
from uh, uh, this uh, super famous Japanese actor, uh, Mr. Masaya Kato, uh, who actually um, did the cameo for this movie. Um, he was, uh, you know, in the beginning of the movie, we have the uh, uh, Hayate's uh, job quitting montage with the opening credit. And uh, uh, Mr. Kato is the last guy um in the job quitting sequence and you know he's portraying a delivery service uh company boss or something but uh um you know he's uh he's done a lot of international uh movies and stuff like that and he has this 30 year long running career and uh um he, you know he and I are becoming good friends and the one day when we were having lunch um, you know, I told him my next picture will be karate movie and this and that. And uh, he he actually said, oh, you know, I have a great idea for this uh, uh, final battle for a martial art movie that I wanted to do. And uh, it's actually, uh, uh, you know, duel to death in uh, in in the back of the truck, back of a trailer truck. And uh, he was like, I'll give you this idea. Uh, if you pay for the lunch, so I said, <laughs> <laughs> that's a sweet deal. Yeah, so I said, sir, you know, I'll I'll definitely pay for the lunch and I'll get your idea. And I actually shot it and I showed it to him, and he was actually impressed how I was able to materialize that sequence, uh, you know, with next to nothing. You're saying it was so beautifully choreographed and filmed, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire scene. Like I, <laughs> I, thought, I told Patrick, I'm like, oh my god, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like wow. I, I was, it was just amazing. That was so well done. I I completely enjoyed it. Yeah, there's right? there's such a lack of originality in in films these days. Yes, and you know that's I think one of the things that speaks to us from your films, um, mm. because like stuff like this, the the whole you know the tra- the trailer fight scene, like. I've never seen that before. Like, that's awesome. I mean, like, we've seen people fight on top of a trailer, like in, you know, The Matrix or something, but that was all CGI and, like, you know, it was ridiculous and over the top. Your fight scene actually seemed realistic, and it was so cool. And that line that uh, Vendensky says, and he's like, does he have a fucking black belt in Cirque du Soleil? Like, that was so good. <laughs> was like, that's that's, that's so one crazy. of my favorite joke in the movie, too. Yeah, and... See that's the thing with your your films have like these these cool like it's a super serious scene but like something funny happens like with um uh and I I hope I'm saying his name right Toshia Agata who, uh-huh. yeah, who the played Bruce Lee wannabe? Yeah, when when Hayate rips off his ear and just throws it into the drink. Right. <laughs> like that was great. Right. Um I do have a, another question. Um now do you have uh a particular um, affinity, like you, do you have like a, a place in your heart for the Star Wars films? Because I've noticed in uh, all all three of these films that we've been talking about, uh, somebody suffers some sort of serious limb damage. Oh, um, okay, right. You know, you've got uh, the mastermind in Karate Kill getting his leg just annihilated. Sure. Uh, Asami gets her arm uh, stuffed into the trash disposal in Karate Kill. And, uh, you know, Samurai Avenger, you know, you lose your arm. 
Right. So I'm like, is that you know, le- kind of like you know, a nod to Star Wars, or is that just you know, a function of the script, or where'd that come from? Uh, you know, I, I'm a I'm a late comer as far as Star Wars uh, fandom goes. Um, I wasn't uh, I wasn't really into sci-fi film all that much growing up. So, um, you know, as, as a kid, when, uh, you know, my friends are all going crazy about Return of the Jedi and stuff, you know, I was, I was watching Stallone's Cobra, you know? So that was kind of like um, the difference uh, uh, in taste I had. Um, so, uh, but now I'm watching all Star Wars movies with my son and I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm becoming a fan with my son but uh um so you know um, my characters losing their you know arms and legs that's not really directly related to star wars but i think it's uh i guess it's kind of a a romantic notion for uh uh you know old-timey uh warrior presence you know like a, a seasoned weathered warrior you know, have their uh, one eye missing with the eye patch or the arm missing with the, you know, fake arm or, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's that that romanticism is the my main influence for that type of characters. All right. That's that's actually pretty cool. Like, I like that a lot. And it almost like, you know, gives them something to overcome, you know, like in addition to having like these long odds that they have to face, you know. Right getting through their uh, their trials, you know, now yep. it's, you know, not just, you know, I have to fight 100 guys, and I have to fight 100 guys, and, you know, I only right. have one arm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's like a classic kind of uh, uh, Japanese uh, structure for heroes. Uh, you know, if you guys are, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ultraman, uh, yes. but, uh, uh, you know, Japanese Ultraman, he could only fight on Earth for three minutes, you know he's a he's an invincible uh, alien, uh, but uh, but you know he he can only uh, sustain himself for three minutes on Earth. So that's like his uh, Achilles, uh, you know, tendon or something, and uh, Achilles heel, and uh, so you know, and, and also like a Japanese, um, you know, iconic uh, sword fighter Zatoichi. Yep, uh, he, he's blind. You know, so um, I guess we like to give uh, our heroes uh, some sort of uh, handicaps so that uh, the stakes gets higher and the audience has uh, audience have easier time uh, associating with them. Okay. Nice. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so I watched Gunwoman today and holy shit, it's. <laughs> It's great. It's really great. I was watching it, and my mom like looking over and seeing what I'm watching, and then she just was like, "Nope, I'm not going to watch that. Too much blood and this and that." And um, so that was funny. Um, one of my questions is, where did you get the idea to stuff you know gun parts into human bodies? Like, I thought that was really interesting. Yes, thank you. Um, it's all fake, so don't try it at home. <laughs> You know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna live for 22 minutes if you're bleeding to death. Uh, that's that's all you know my imagination. But uh, um, 
idea came from uh, my uh, graduate thesis uh, film when I was in film school. And uh, uh, it was uh, one of the synopsis that didn't materialize. It was uh, too much uh, money to make it as a, even as a short film. Uh, but, the, uh, but the main idea was um, these uh, diamond smugglers... Uh, they would stuff dead body with diamond, and mm-hmm. they would uh, transfer the illegal, uh, you know, diamonds across the border and stuff like that. So, um, ever since I had that idea in my head, you know, it, it, it stayed with my uh, idea notes uh, that uh, somebody hiding something in body, mm-hmm. and uh, then you know when. Uh, uh, then I think that that kind of transformed into idea for Gun Woman, and uh, but you know, you know it was in a back pile of my idea list because I was thinking, well I don't think any actress would do this part, you know, like she has to be completely naked for the majority of the running time in the movie, and um, you know she has to take out all the gum parts from her body rip it open, get all bloody, and do the last battle. And I was like, I don't think anyone would do it. And uh, then I got to know Asami, and I was like, wow, you know, she actually might be committed enough and crazy enough to be able to perform this character. And I pitched to her, I pitched it to her, and she loved it. And she was like, I want to do it. I'm the only one who can do it, and I want to do it. And she was right. And uh, now we have the movie. Yeah, it was phenomenal and crazy, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I, I can't do that." And then my mom saw that, and she's like freaking out. And my dad comes in, and he's looking. He's like, "Oh, I like this." <laughs> also, I I would have to say, Meryl Streep might have done it. Meryl Streep does she does everything. So Meryl Streep might have done it if. Uh, I, I- I would love to do an American remake with her then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so my question kind of piggybacks off of Nicole's. Okay. Um, now, did you get the idea, um, like, to do, you know, the, the stuffing, all the gun parts into the body before or after, you know, you worked out uh, the whole... Um, uh, I'm totally losing my train of thought. Hamazaki's um, like necrophilia fetish. Like, did you like work that out? And then, okay, how do we get her in there? Or like, I have this idea. How can I apply it? Yeah, it was more like that. It was uh, I had this idea that uh, this assassin needs to surgically insert the gun, and she she has to rip her body open to get the gun out and uh, uh, and kill someone. So you know, I had to come up with the impenetrable impenetrable uh, fortress of some sort and um, so you know necrophilia uh, you know brothel idea came later that was the afterthought that was the I had to come up with something like that for this plot to work yeah I, th- I thought that was that was brilliant that's something I really wanted to ask uh, ashes what have you got? Um, well, speaking of Gun Woman, the character of Mayumi is so intense and deep, and she's such a badass with having very little dialogue. Um, right. How much of that character that we saw on screen, how much of it was 
your writing and directing and how much of it was Asami's taking the character and going with it. Right. I, I think, uh, um, well, Ma- Mayumi is not like Asami at all. Uh, Asami in person is a very talkative, very lively, you know, fun, uh, fun person to be around with. And uh, um, so, you know, Asami talks a lot. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like 11-hour 11, 11 flight to Germany together, and she's just yapping hallway, you know. So <laughs> can I get some sleep, you know? But, uh, um, but you know, she, she's like that. So unlike, you know, Mayumi in Gun Woman, um, she talks. But uh, um, so that part was a uh, uh, creation. Um, but, uh, you know, this kind of a hidden passion or the... Um, um, you know, when when she was given assignment, she just executed. You know, that's 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 very similar to who Asami really is, too. So I think it was really a beautiful collaboration between the writer and the performer and the director uh, coming together to create Mayumi character for Gun Woman. Now I I have a question that um, it's probably been asked of you before. But I've noticed that a lot of times uh, you'll use, you know, the same actors like uh, Noriaki Kamata uh, sure. was in, you know, Samurai Avenger and Gun Woman and Karate Kill. You know, a little more prominent in Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Yeah. Um, then uh, Toshiya Agata, who was the trainer in in uh, um, Gun Woman, who trained Asami. Sure. Um, is there a, like a comfort level that you have with? with these folks or is it like a uh, you know you, like you have a really good working relationship or you just you know when you're writing characters you happen to find that you know these actors are just perfect for the roles because I gotta tell you uh, Mr. Uh, Hamazaki's son yeah. that, that Noriaki Kamada did yeah. one of the creepiest characters like <laughs> of all time and like that was that was so well done um, yes. I don't think anybody else could have pulled that character off, and oh, you know, you. I mean that sincerely. Like, I can't imagine anybody else doing that. Um, right. No, uh, we were uh, honored. Uh, this uh, uh, German movie magazine called Virus um, did uh, like top ten movie villains of all time, and uh, you know, along with the huge budget movie villains. Uh, Noriaki actually was ranked number four or something in, in that. Wow. Damn. Yeah, so we were very surprised and honored. But, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, uh, his character is kind of getting to, you know, building the cult status as a ultimate villain. But, uh, yeah, we, we had fun building that character together um, because if, um, say, if, you know, if... Um, not so detail oriented performer performed his character. He could actually uh, become a more of a, a laughable comedy esque character. But uh, because Noriaki performed it with with his precision, um, you know, son of a Hamazaki character didn't become kind of a, a you know clown esque character. He, but he's really creepy, weird, sad freaky, you know, all mixed and kind of complex villain, you know. So, uh, I, I, you know, my hat's off to his ability to perform the death, 
But uh, um, yeah, I would. I love to work with uh, same actors again and again uh, because uh, you know, just like old time, um, you know, Clint Eastwood movies or uh, uh, John Carpenter movies. You know, they had this kind of um, uh, you know feel like uh, they're the traveling uh, theater troupe. You know, and uh, you you see same same actors playing different character in different movies you know like if you watch uh clint eastwood's dirty harry um same actor is playing all different kind of characters in uh in the whole series throughout and uh you know i guess i guess i have a, a romantic longing for um movies like that and i like to i like to have kind of a traveling theater trooper feeling for my movies i guess yeah because i was gonna you know one of the things that that um, Noriaki does is like you were saying, like he portrays the character, and you know, you know, half the movie he's he's naked and he's like dancing around and you know, <laughs> doing all these creepy things that like for somebody else could be you know taken as comedic, right? But he still has this air of insanity and danger to him that's just like makes such a good villain. It's like you know. Heath Ledger's Joker or or uh, Christoph Waltz as uh, Hans Landa in Inglorious Bastards, like that same air of menace. Like he's not physically imposing. He's not like this huge, you know, scary, monstrous guy that's you know jacked and full of muscles. Or you know, right. he's just he's terrifying, and the things he does are just so unnatural and frightening right. that you know you're just you're inherently afraid of him right yeah that was that was the angle we were uh we were going for and uh i i don't like you know like um all my movies you know last villain last boss um is not physically imposing guys um but they're insane so yeah i guess that's kind of a uh thing i have for my uh you know villains yeah and i think um I really like that. Like, um, there is one one uh, one parallel. Um, are you familiar with the uh, anime um, Ninja Scroll? Uh, that's old one, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I've seen it like long time ago. Because there was um, the uh, the character in um, Samurai Avenger, the woman with the uh, the tattoos, uh, right. kind of reminds me of that. Where you know. In the anime, she uh, her tattoos are all of snakes, and they come alive and try to kill you. Oh, but okay. It's a uh, it's a similar type of thing where you know she's hypnotizing him, you sure. know, and like giving him all these visions. I thought that was brilliant. I didn't know if there was any connection, and now that I know there's not, like it makes me respect that scene like way more because I think it was done uh, very very well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, um, yeah the. Ninja Scroll, I think the world uh, was inspired by this uh, uh, cult Japanese writer, novelist, uh, Futaro Yamada. Uh, he wrote all this crazy um, ninja, uh, female ninja, male ninja battles. Uh, uh, he has many novels about that, but all these, uh, uh, you know, kind of a sorcerer-esque ninjas or the samurais um, 
they have supernatural powers and um, kind of like you know Marvel uh, superhero kind of thing. But uh, uh, I think he his writing his novels inspired us all to uh, you know create weird uh, supernatural power possessed uh, samurai characters. So the you know so the inspiration is coming from the same uh, influences, I think. That makes sense. Um, so I have a, like a two-part question. So when you're doing your writing, which one is more fun to write, the hero or the villain? Oh, uh, hmm. You know, I have to say both because you can't really separate them, uh, you know, separate them uh, apart. But mm-hmm. uh, when, when I write, I, I love writing. But uh, it's such a... You know, lonely work. You know, writing is the um, part of the movie making that you do it alone, or you can you can do it alone. And uh, um, but um, you know, I, I, I love production. You know, production is like festive. You know, like a lot of people come together for one one cause, and uh, you know, we put our brains together to execute it. Mm-hmm. I, I love production. I love actual you know shooting. Uh, of part of the movie making, but uh, uh, I really don't like writing part as a whole. But mm-hmm. I have to do it, so I really have to kind of corner myself into no escape situation. Then I have to really sit myself down and write it. You know? Yeah. So no, I understand. Yeah. So it's it's painful. I guess I enjoy writing both heroes and villains. But it, it's all, all, all in all, it's a painful experience. I can imagine. And then the other question would be, um, out of the heroes and villains that you've written, which is your favorite? Oh, that's, uh, that's a difficult question to answer because, you know, they're uh, all my sons and daughters, you know, like mm-hmm. you can't pick a favorite, you know, out of your creation. But... Um, Hmm. But I guess, uh, you know, definitely Mayumi from Gun Woman and, uh, uh, you know, Kenji from Cars the Kill. Those two heroes, I think, uh, got recognition on its own. And, uh, you know, they're having their own uh, life in the film world out there. So I'm, I'm very proud of uh, those uh, those characters. Great answers. <laughs> so I kind of have a two-part question for you as well. Sure. Um, my first question is, do you consider yourself a feminist? <laughs> um, well, um, I think, uh, I, think I, I, I would love to uh, consider myself a feminist. Um, I, um, you know, I, I have uh, infinite respect for women um especially after uh my wife delivered my you know our son uh i was at the delivery room and you know did the whole husband thing but uh um you know just after witnessing uh, giving birth to another human being i just you know i mean men compared to women we're really like nothing you know like (laughs) So I, I don't know if that makes me a, a feminist, but I, I'm, I definitely think women are better than men. 
So uh, that's my position on that. And uh, uh, but I do I do uh, like exploitation movies, you know. Um, but I guess I'm a equal opportunity offender in that way that uh, you know I I ex- exploit uh, female characters and I exploit male characters. So. Um, I'm an equal opportunity on that sense. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I would love to be considered as a feminist, but uh, I will leave it up to you guys to, you know, um, come up with the conclusion. Oh, I, I definitely think you are. I definitely see that in your films. But uh, my second question is, do you get a, uh, a, a, an amount of negative feedback from the way that women are portrayed in your films? I see. You know, I um, you know, I I'm sure it's out there if you look hard enough. But uh, I don't I don't purposely you know go search for negative reviews of my movie because uh, you know then I'll be drinking heavy heavily. <laughs> <laughs> my my liquor bill's gonna go up. But uh, uh, but yeah. So um, I you know I have not. Um, read or heard um, criticism on that department uh, my portrayal of women um, in my movie but uh, um, what I hear a lot is uh, like my my scripts are a little too brainy you know like I I try to uh, make sense uh, of all the things happening in my movie too much Um, so that's that's like the uh, main criticism I see on my work, but uh, um, so yeah, no, I I not I I'm not aware of that criticism. Well, that's good because I mean, you know, we were actually discussing this um, earlier today. You know how you know I could understand someone saying, "Oh, look at this exploitation." I mean, you know, think about the opening scene of Karate Kill, right? But at the same time. You know, there's so much like strength in your female characters. Mm. Like, um, you know, you see uh, Asami in both of her roles. Like, she is this, you know, badass, you know, coming to the rescue type character. Right. Like, she's not needing to be saved. She's out there doing what she needs to do to save herself. And, you know, I don't think that, you know, I, I, I mean, I understand, like, the use of nudity in your films. Yeah. Like, maybe somebody who just looks for that type of thing, <laughs> and they're like, oh, look, look how bad this is. You know, oh, my God, look, there's boobs everywhere. You know, like, you're not looking at it at, in the context of the film. Right. Because, I mean, you got, you know, Noriaki, you know, prancing around, you know, right. balls flapping in the wind in, in, in Gunwoman. Right. You know, so, I mean, because that was part of you know the script like that's what the scene called for like that's you know the situation it wasn't like you know i know you're not sitting there looking like okay how can i get some naked people into my movies let me think about what i can do it's like oh we're on a a mission but first let's stop at six strip clubs you know and then get some hookers like that's not what you're doing like what you're doing like everything has a specific purpose which i really really like um yeah 
We do have a few more questions. Something I, I noticed, um, and I remember, you know, I listened to your other interviews with the Atomic Age media guys, you know, our good friend Jeremy and uh, Martin over there, and, of course, the Trick or Treat radio guys. Um, and I, I remember you saying that Cobra was one of your, your big influences, and you mentioned it earlier today as well. Um, yes. I noticed there's a... I haven't seen all of Cobra, or if I have, it's been a long time. But I remember he had like a very distinctive knife. Yes. Uh, and I noticed that with uh, Karate Kill, Vendensky had a very similar knife. Was that intentional? It was totally intentional. Excellent. It's actually it's actually a bootleg copy of Cobra's uh, knife. Actually, uh, Cobra doesn't use that knife, but his villain does. Yeah, the bad guy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it's it's a cheap replica of. The, from the movie, and I used it in Karate Kill. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, and I, you know, I didn't put the two and two together until you mentioned it again, and it's like, oh shit, I remember, like, you know, because <laughs> they show a close-up of that, of, you know, the gloved hand holding that knife, and I'm like, oh yeah. shit, that's the same one. Yeah. So, um, I remember you telling an interesting story about, um, the action scenes and how Hayate, um, worked into them, why don't you yeah. uh, let the folks at home uh, let, tell us that that story about how uh, Hayate got into his action scenes? Oh yeah, uh, the you mean a relationship with the trun- uh, the stunt people and stuff? Yes. Yeah, um, you know Hayate is a real deal. He's uh, um, he's a uh, real martial artist, and uh, he you know his. Uh, his character is very different, and he, you know, he really doesn't disclose where his dojo is and who his teacher is. It's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure if I really grill him, uh, he will answer. But uh, he always kind of dodged a question for the specific. So I think he's really studying this kind of uh, assassin karate, and uh, it's it's sort of half underground and. Uh, uh, because I don't want to get killed, so I'm not gonna, you know, push that <laughs> question. But, uh, but so you know, his style of fighting is very different from you know karate we know, and uh, um, so he's a real deal. So when he was working with professional stunt people, uh, one thing he wasn't good at at handling was uh, uh, you know the fake punches and fake kicks. Uh, you know, when you choreograph a movie fight, of course they're not real thing. So, you know, punch to the face, you don't really throw it to the face. You, you know, uh, make it slightly to the right or left of the face to avoid uh, accidental contact. Um, but because Hayat is real deal, he said, I can't dodge the fake punches or the fake kicks. You have to actually try to really hit me. And then I can dodge, uh, you know, meaning like if, if the fake punch is coming to his, you know, left of his face, he dodged to the left and he actually gets punched, you know, like he didn't want to have that accident. So he was like, don't worry, I'm not going to get hit. Throw me a real punch. And that's what we did. And he actually didn't get punched or kicked for real. So that was pretty amazing. Which is, you know, very impressive. Um, we watched the behind the uh, the the behind the scenes uh, sure. featurette of uh, Karate Kill, and mm-hmm. you had your uh, your bouncer there, and I his name is escaping me. 
But he's like, he's standing there. And he's like, I'm gonna get knocked the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Anton. Anton was uh, such a great uh, uh, guy. Uh, I would love to work with him again and again too. But uh, um, yeah, he his fight scene. Um, you know, big physically imposing guy with the little Hayate. And, uh, you know, we decided just to take care of this huge dude with just one punch. And uh, I think that kind of sets the tone of the whole movie pretty much early on in the movie. Now, there is one, one uh, well, this is kind of a two-parter, too. Uh, okay. There are two scenes, um, two fight scenes in that, in that uh, Karate Kill film. Uh, two moves, uh, well, one move in particular... Uh, whose idea was it for Hayate to kind of like kick out of his shoe and then like kick his shoe across the room and hit that guy in the face when he's right. holding the girl at uh, at knife point? Yeah, whose idea was that? That was uh, that was idea from our stunt coordinator Keia Tabuchi, uh, who also was a stunt coordinator for Gun Woman. Well, I thought he, that was kind of cool. Yeah, he uh, he's a very creative, true professional fight choreographer and uh we were we, i mean he, you know he does big budget big budget japanese movies he's done uh um he i think he was involved in uh shin Godzilla too and oh, uh yeah so you know he does a lot of you know uh, big budget movie but he uh you know he took chances with our lower budget movie and uh in exchange you know we gave him freedom to create his crazy action sequences and uh, i think it was really happy collaboration so the the throwing or the kicking throw of the shoes onto bad guy's face was uh Kaya's idea and uh my other question uh, yep. and i know you covered it in the uh in the, the behind the scenes part um the 360 rotation uh, uh in the the nightclub fight yeah uh walk us through that a little bit because that was a really cool scene Oh, great. Cool. Yeah, I'm, that was actually, when I was writing a script, uh, when I was writing that s- scene and I came up with the idea that I'll, I would uh, rotate the camera um, 360 degree, um, you know, camera stationary. So camera doesn't really physically change the camera position, but we just, you know, rotate the world, you know, 360. And... Uh, that was uh, when I came up with that idea on the script. That became uh, like the one of the most anticipated uh, action scene to shoot um, for this movie. And uh, you know, because there's no trick, there's no editing. You know, the, it's a full-on 360 turn uh, for a minute and a half, or a minute and minute and forty seconds, or something. And uh, my action team. Before they got over here to the states, um, they practiced that sequence for about a month and a half or two months, and uh, they they finessed it. And uh, it was it was a great collaboration between the camera department and uh, stunt department and the performers. And yeah, we we only uh, did like three takes, I think. And uh, take number two is the one you see in the movie. And uh, it, it worked out beautifully. And, you know, only Hayate could have done this because he's the real deal. And, uh, you know, all the professional stunt people from Japan and U.S. and, you know, everybody just worked around with him 
beautifully, and we were able to do that shot. Yeah, and it was it was fantastic. Like that Thank was one you. of the coolest shots. Um, Agent Nicole, have you got something? Yes. Um, so you are an actor, or were an actor, um, a writer, and a director. What kind of um, advice or wisdom would you give to someone who might be looking into acting or writing their own script or directing their own film? What, what kind of wisdom would you share to others who might be inspired to do what you do? My uh, my biggest advice would be stop. <laughs> don't, don't do it <laughs> um, because uh, uh, it's it's sad but it's true uh, you know movie making is a dime business um, you know compared to the movies you know we grew up with in uh, 80s and 90s and 70s um, you know the films movies doesn't matter anymore to to majority of the people sadly Mm-hmm. And this is a worldwide phenomenon. Um, you know, basically the main entertainment for the people uh, became uh, smartphones, internet. You know, uh, that that becomes uh, that became the uh, the biggest time consumer and uh, entertainment, main entertainment for people. And uh, move, you know, the power of the film, power of the movie is just getting smaller and smaller. So currently. Basically, you know, I'm, you know, I, I passed the point of no return. I can't do anything else at this point in my life. So I'm kind of, I have to forge ahead. But if you're in your 20s and 30s thinking about the film career or acting career, I don't know. If, if I were you, I don't know if I'm going to pursue that because the pie itself is getting smaller and smaller by the minute. And, uh, so the piece of pie you get is getting smaller and smaller. I mean, um, it's certainly happening in U.S. It's definitely happening in Japan. Uh, I mean, Japanese film industry is barely existing. It's 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 actually it's it's ready to be vanished. Um, it be, you know, like a just like our society, it's like a, a separation of two groups are happening. Basically. Big movies are getting bigger, and small movies are getting smaller. Nothing in the middle, mm-hmm. and uh, people are suffering. You know, like even my all my friends who worked on Shin Godzilla movie, um, they uh, they actually lost money. They they didn't. I mean, the, the movie was mega hit, but only the studio made all the money, and uh, people who worked overtime and stuff like that, they they just didn't get compensated. I mean, that's. That kind of, the true exploitation in the movie industry happens for the people who work in the movie industry. Um, it's it's really sad. But uh, um, so so I you know I really don't recommend film careers for anybody in front of the camera or behind the camera. Uh, but if it's in your blood, if you're cursed for some reason, <laughs> and if you have to pursue this. God forsaken uh, thing. Um, I guess my my biggest advice for anybody is don't do short films. Do feature uh, because there's no market for short films. Um, so don't spend your energy and talent uh, on the short film. Even you're a writer, actor. You know, like you get 
uh, you know, I know a bunch of uh, struggling actors in LA, you know, who's, uh, who only gets cast in short films here. And, you know, I cringe, you know, because their work ain't going to go nowhere. You know, no one's going to look at the shorts. Um, if it's feature films, there are, you know, outlets to, to, to show your work more commercially. So um, I guess my biggest advice to anybody who work in the film industry, both in front of the camera or behind the camera, do only feature projects. That's that's good advice, you know, for a lot of the reasons that you're you're telling us. Um, you know, I I think you know with your experience, like you know, I mean, obviously you know what you're talking about. So, yeah, you know, my my, I really don't have regrets in my life uh, so far. Uh, I have few, uh, but uh, that's all alcohol related, so it's really <laughs> film talk, but. Uh, um, you know, uh, my my big regret in my film career is I should have done a feature film as my grad thesis when I had the protection of film film school over my head. You know, the film insurance was free. You know, Kodak back then had the student film rate, so they can they can process it for a cheaper rate, and they can like give you the short end of the film for free or really next to nothing, you know, stuff like that. If you're a film student, um, your filmmaking life is much easier than uh, real world. So I should have taken advantage of that and totally made a feature. Then I think my feature debut um, was happened a little bit earlier in my career. So consequently, everything that followed would have happened earlier so you know so that's 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 my uh regret and based on that regret that's my advice you know do only feature projects and that you know again you know you've got the experience like that's you know where you're coming from and you know the way you're saying it that definitely makes sense um we've only got a couple more uh questions for you and then we'll let you go okay but uh uh Last couple of questions. Um, when Asami was training for, uh, you know, the different scenes in, in Gunwoman, like, yeah. was there a, an additional training regimen or was, you know, she basically just, you know, getting into shape by doing, you know, what she needed to do, you know, on film? Hmm. Um, yeah, the film, the preparation I asked for Asami um for for the role in Gun Woman was uh, um, she's a really uh, small petite girl and uh, um, but you know for um, you know worldwide market I think uh, Mayumi character needed a little more curvature uh, for her body so actually she I asked her to gain weight for that role and and she did and also. Um, she, uh, <laughs> this is kind of funny directorial, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, requirement I asked for, um, my female performer, uh, was, uh, to, uh, she, she told me she doesn't, she doesn't grow pubic hair. She, uh, she trim it down, uh, for the various reasons, I guess. And, uh, uh, but I told her, 
Well, uh, we we need a pubic hair for this movie because you're going to be naked fighting at the end. And uh, if you don't have pubic hair, I, we actually see your genital, you know, and we can't, we, we, we really don't want to do that um, for the movie because, you know, the minute you show the shot of genitalia in the film, uh, that becomes X-rated. You know, we didn't want that. So, um, yeah, so that's, that, that was the two thing I asked to uh, ask uh, Asami to prepare was to gain a little more weight and, uh, uh and also grow out pubic hair. That's definitely... Uh, I was going to say, Karada, you sound like a dream. Oh, my God. Gain <laughs> weight and don't shave. <laughs> That's what every girl wants to hear. Oh, there you go. I'm a feminist now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll uh, so, uh, last question we really have for you is... Uh, you know, you're a creative guy, so I'm sure you've always got something in the works. And, you know, I'm sure if you do have something, you can't really give us a whole lot of detail. But uh, what detail can you give us about any upcoming projects uh, you might have? Uh, let's see. I'm, uh, uh, you know, at the end of uh, last year, um, we were, uh, you know, really getting gearing up to do my, uh, my biggest movie yet to, for my career. And uh, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, biggest budget that I was given and a big star. And, uh, you know, it was going to be a huge kind of a spy thriller, espionage movie that would shoot all in Tokyo. But, uh, uh, but the last minute when the budget was ready, when the 200 theaters were ready in Japan, um, you know, we had the, we had the fallout with uh, uh, our main star, and basically just you know uh, he left the project and everything crumbled after that. So, um, you know, up up till you know before summer, you know maybe this spring, you know June or May, I was still in the recovery mode from that, and uh, you know all of a sudden my project vanished, so I was struggling to. Uh, struggling to get you know more pitch meetings here and japan stuff like that but you know thanks to karate kill uh getting the proper u.s release that actually got uh me more meetings and pitch meetings and stuff like that so uh things are happening and i'm i'm really crossing my finger that i would get the uh green light on one of my future projects within this year and uh, I can I can get to shoot it early next year. So um, there are several things in the co- in, in, on the burners. Um, one of which is uh, um, it's a Japanese Jallo movie. I, I love Italian slasher films, and uh, I would love to do my Jallo, uh, like you know Dario Argento esque or Lucio Fulci esque horror movie. And I'm a big fan of horror genre, but I'm yet to tackle full-on horror movie so you know that would be my dream come true and then uh, um, then you know um, my uh, my regret from Gun Woman was uh, because we had uh, you know low budget and time restriction how much we can shoot and stuff um, I didn't I couldn't really explore more of the you know firearm fights you know uh, gun battles 
So I'm I'm actually one of my uh, next project, next possible project is a huge gum battle uh, movie. You know, like a little hard boiled with a lot of firepower kind of thing. So I, I don't know which one's gonna get a green light first, but uh, I'll be more than happy to uh, do you know both of them, neither of them. Well, you know, you know, regardless of. Uh what you do i mean obviously i'm gonna see it and i'm gonna i'm gonna buy the the home version you know because i've just you know since i've seen gunwoman like when i found out that karate kill was coming out like it was incessant like when is it coming out when and i didn't want to bother you because like we never really had any interactions on facebook like i was actually kind of nervous even sending you a friend request to be completely honest with you no no Um, i mean i'm happy we got connected yeah, I am too. Um, because a, you know, you're a really cool guy, and you're very talented, and like and b, like, you know, I like to support, you know, for lack of a better better word, like independent, you know, artists, you know, filmmakers, yes. writers, um, you know, I try to do what I can. Like I did that write up for you on the the sports and entertainment side. I write for. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many hits it got. I have no access to that, but you know, I'm I'm doing what i can to spread the word showing people in uh you know from different parts of the country and hopefully they'll show other people yeah um, thank you you know you're a really cool guy you're very genuine you know um you know everybody that i know you know you know mars and and, and wolfie here and you know jeremy mcfarland have nothing but good things to say about you so you well, know i'm really looking forward to to hopefully getting to see you uh in october like that yes. would be amazing yeah i That'd be that'd be fantastic. And you know, you know, I'll I'll definitely buy you a beer. <laughs> okay, I'll I do mean, the same. <laughs> and I'm sure I won't be the only one. So you're going to be like shit faced twenty four seven because everyone's just going to be buying you drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. But I will say, uh, you know, in all seriousness, if you know, in either one of these films, if you need like a cute little Filipino girl, <laughs> we got Agent Nicole. If you need somebody to play a scientist, you know, Ashes, uh, you know, don't let the tattoos and the bright pink hair fool you. She is legitimately a scientist. Nice. Uh, and if you need, you know, handsome, handsome guy number three, you know, I, you know, I can step into that role. Ashes oh, I thought and you I, were talking about Wolfie. Ashes and I actually, uh, we are proficient in firearms, so. Okay. You know, if if there's you know anything, I you am need. as well. Well, I don't. I've never seen you shoot a gun, so <laughs> so anytime you know, just let us know. We'll come. We'll we'll clear out a block in our schedule for you. That'd that would be great. I mean, Spielberg keeps calling. I said no. I'm waiting for Carando. Uh, <laughs> Carando's the guy I want to work with. So uh, thank you very much. Yes. But in in all seriousness, thank you very much for coming on. Um, we had an absolute blast with you. You know, we really appreciate you taking the time, and we're going to promote the shit out of everything you do. Please, yes. thank you so much. Yeah, I would love to come back and uh, talk to you guys again. And uh, oh, hell yeah, you know, if if we can see each other uh, next, you know, in October in person, that'll be great too. Yes, I, I 100% agree. Uh, ladies, do you have anything uh, parting words for Carando? Uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to speak with us. You are a brilliant artist, and I cannot wait to see what you do next. Your films are just absolutely beautiful. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed all your questions. Thank you. You're, you're welcome, and thank you for just taking the time out of your schedule and just being you. And 
I hopefully you are coming to October but in, in October because I would love to meet you and just shake your hand and say thank you for creating such great stuff. Thank you. Same here. I I, I really hope I can uh, make it out there uh, in October and uh, you know for us to all hang out. Yeah, absolutely. And if you need a place to crash, you know, Asher's and I, you know, we have a couch. You know, it's not going to be as fancy as what you're used to. And, you know, we got a couple of cats, so the cats run around. But, you know, you're more than welcome. You know, any, any cost-cutting measures that you need. <laughs> great. Thank you so much. All right, Carando, thank you so much. Have a great night. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you soon. You too. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. And, uh... Enjoy the, all your questions. So thank you so much, and I'll catch you guys later. Awesome. All right, take thank care, buddy. You, bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and trick-or-treat radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. It's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci. Deuce bad eggs. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Fire. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life, tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and punchfarm.com. Keep on punching! <laughs> Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. And clearly we are back from break. Oh, you, you thought the mouse was gone, but no, I, no, I no, 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 I got a, not today. I got a, a message a couple, couple days ago from our lovely friend in Atlantis, and she was like, Patrick Rahel is a motherfucking mouse, and I died. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Oh my God! Can we talk about that Carando interview? That was so he is good. so incredibly awesome. Like his energy is just so infectious. It is. Like, Nicole am, is bouncing around. She's like, it's ninety percent Carando and ten percent coffee. Yep. 
but seriously, like if you, uh, our listeners, if you haven't had a chance to check out his films, uh, go do it. Uh, Gun Woman is actually on Netflix, yep. so I'm pretty sure. Like I think everybody has Netflix at this point. Yes. So do yourself a favor and check it out. Oh my god, I love that movie so much. Uh, uh, just the concept of it, the execution, uh, it was just amazing. A lot of blood. Don't do it. You only get 20 minutes of life. (laughs) Well, yeah, don't, don't, don't try this at home, kids. Yeah, Karana knows what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just such a good movie. And, like, Asami uh, is just awesome. She's such a great (laughs) actress. Like, she really is. Yeah, and like you said, you know, without without, uh, really having any lines... She's well. You see, I mean, her character goes through a complete evolution. And, yeah, I mean, she starts of off was, as a heroin addicted sex slave. Right. Um, she was like in Taken. You know, like when when you know he goes to save his daughter. She was one of the ones who whose dad didn't come save them. Yeah. Aww. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Karate Kill was so good too. Like and and finding yeah, out you that need to he, see Samurai Avenger. Finding out that he wrote this film based on Hayate, the actor, like that's just incredible because it's such a good movie. Like it's mm-hmm. a really good movie and the action scenes are just everything that you want. We were talking about this briefly off air. Mm-hmm. Like it is ninety minutes of just like uh, balls to the wall like action. Crazy action. Brilliant like Film, what's it called when they do the filming? Like the cinematography? Yes, <laughs> that's the word. Sorry, it's a big word. Rondo has a, a gift <laughs> for getting like these really good shots that you wouldn't. Very think. detailed in and his craft. His villains are just like over the top good. I think one of the reasons why I like his stuff so much is because it's original. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that we haven't it, seen before. It's ideas and concepts and executions that we have yet to see. And it is so unbelievably refreshing to see a new, just, just something new in yeah. general. You, you can, know, Yeah, you definitely can see, you know, the films that have inspired him. You know, stuff like, you know, uh, you know, Westerns, you know, and... and um, you know, uh, Cobra again. You know, he mentions Cobra quite a bit in uh, some of the other interviews, and it's just one of those um, one of those films where, like, you can see like there's a lot of genre film uh, mm-hmm. influence on his movies, and it's awesome. And uh, you know, Wolfie, you got to hang out with him. Uh, you know, what's he like? What does his hair smell like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it smells like sandalwood. Nice. Ooh. I would expect nothing less. Uh, no, he, he was awesome. We, we did get a chance, myself and, and Mars, uh, when we went to uh, Long Beach and uh, took him to a wrestling show and I uh, got to go out to dinner with him afterwards and it was just uh, just very cool. I mean, obviously, we've, we've spoken with him on a few occasions now, so I feel that we already sort of know him, so it really wasn't all that different just kind of being in person, but... Uh, no, he's he's a super sweet guy, as sweet as he comes across, uh, p- potentially even sweeter in person. And he's a just a fantastic person. And and uh, you know, you guys were talking about his art, and he is an amazing artist and filmmaker, but he's an even better person. 
Yeah, and that's really what's important. But, I mean, that really comes across, you know, in conversations with him. Um, you know, interactions we've had online, you know, he and I emailing back and forth. Um, yeah, he seems like a very genuine type guy. And, uh, you know, we could probably talk about Corando for hours on end because <laughs> he's just so nice and he smells like sandalwood. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, I think what we do need to do is we need to get to our, our battle did. results. Yes. Because we didn't do that uh, yet because we're just so wrapped up with, with uh, Corando. And um, if you recall, our battle was the Man in Black from the Dark Tower versus Voldemort from Harvey Potter. <laughs> and uh, it it was a runaway. A runaway? It's a, a runaway. runaway. Yeah. Uh, the Man in Black... Uh, didn't need to flee across the desert because uh, Voldemort wasn't going to follow him. So he went to Voldemort and uh, brought the pain to him and was like, oh, I just killed your last Horcrux, Steve Bannon. So now what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, my God. So it's like, bam, take that. And, uh, yeah, he dominated. Uh, I think it was like 8 to 3 was the final count or 11 to 3. I don't know. It was it was it was a significant amount. Yeah, it was it was like a 4 to 1. Uh, victory, and I really expected nothing, nothing less. So who did who did you choose? To oh, win I Harry? chose the man in black. Like that's that's just yeah. And uh, who did you choose? I Agent chose Nicole? the loser. I chose Voldemort. Why did you choose Voldemort? Because I'm not familiar with the man in black, and for me, I I like Voldemort. I'm evil sometimes, but I mean, maybe in like a in a couple of months when I really familiarize myself in the Dark Tower series. And You'll like, also have to read The Stand and Eyes of the yes, Dragon to get a good To really understand the ca- uh, the character. Maybe my opinion will change. I have a feeling it will, mm-hmm. but um, I just chose something something that I know. That's fair. You know, that's fine. You know, and you know, there is a chance that in a, in a magical duel that he could beat him, but Voldemort is a person and a man in black is kind of a demon, so mm-hmm. he has he has the advantage right there. Uh, so, what are we talking about next week? Wait, what was na, that? Na, 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 na. We'll be discussing na, 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 na. Henry Jones Jr. next week. Na, 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 na. Oh, it's a, we're talking about Harrison Ford next week, guys. Mm. Young Harrison Ford. Mm. Ooh. Something keeps dripping on my leg, and I think it's the air conditioner. Okay. Yes, right. I see some water. Because I was like, what the hell is it? I'm like looking for like, leaks in the ceiling. Maybe it's the monster who lives in the attic and it's salivating. <laughs> it's no. like, ooh, oh, people are here and I'm hungry. Nom, nom, nom. No, the only monster is Monster Zero. And, you know, when he salivates, you know it. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to wear a bib. Especially if you start talking about, like, butt crack. And, and I d- stop now! Ew. Listen, enough. No. So yeah, next week we'll be uh, we'll be talking about uh, Henry Jones Jr., known to his na, friends na, as na, Indiana. Na, na, na. Uh, and um, I don't know what else. What else we got going on? We got some. We got a new battle next week. Yeah. We got uh, an interesting science fact that hopefully I don't I don't screw up because I'm not overly familiar with it. I just found out about this a few days ago. So I'm hoping that uh, I don't screw up the definition of it too badly. But knowing me, I probably will because 
Spoiler alert. You will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag spoiler alert. Hashtag, hashtag. That's right. A double hashtag that... I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, let's wrap it up. So, yeah. So, next week we are talking about... I was just say we're talking about Harrison Ford. Well, technically we are. We are. We talking are. about Indiana Jones, the character played by Harrison Ford, the guy. Uh, we'll be talking about... Her- uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about Henry Jones Jr. <laughs> Henry Jones Jr. Henry Walton Jones Jr. Breaking down the character of Indiana Jones and talking about his three films because apparently there is a, there is no fourth one. The fourth one is a freaking and there's certainly not a fifth one. Shit. What? Kingdom of the Crystal Toilet Bowl. Yeah. He dragged of poor the John Hurt into this. Kingdom of the Crystal Bullshit, yeah. But yeah, Kingdom and... Kingdom uh, Crystal Light. Thanks to Mr. Carando for joining yes, us Mr. on this Carando, episode and best. letting us pick his brain and answering our stupid questions and just being awesome because that was that was really freaking awesome. That yeah, was. It was now a I lot of fun. Chips. I've been dying to watch to 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 talk to him after watching all the films. Um, it's just an absolute blast. So with that said, I think I need to go home and watch yeah. a Gun Woman again because it's just so freaking awesome and. Uh, I think we will see see you next next Thursday. Thursday.